Continuing today in a series of Lenten homilies from the 11th chapter of John. Today we pick up the drama on the 17th verse. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? The word of the Lord. Holy God, once again we ask that you would be gracious to our seeking of a word that can only come from your Holy Spirit. In the name of the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, amen. Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus were not the typical people that we find in the gospel narratives. They were Jesus' friends. The text tells us that Jesus loved this family. Lazarus, we don't know much about. When we find him in the text, he's either very ill, or dead, or very surprised. (laughs) Martha we know all too well. Martha is the hard-working, task-oriented, type A person. But as we discover in the next chapter, sometimes her resolve makes her miss the mystery of her moments. And Mary? Ah, Mary. She's not the practical one, but no one can make you laugh or cry like 
Mary. While Jesus was away from this family, the sisters sent word to him, Lazarus, he whom you love is ill. But Jesus tarried. And now when he arrives in town, Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. So Jesus was late, very late, and Lazarus died. Lazarus is the name of whatever it is that you're counting on Jesus loving. Maybe it's your family or your ministry or your church. Maybe it is a project devoted to social justice to which you've become devoted. Maybe it is a view of the world that you found in the Gospels. We don't expect Jesus to give us everything that we ask for, but we do expect Jesus to make his own dreams come true. So when Lazarus dies, we have inherited a problem of faith. When Martha hears that Jesus is coming down the road, she goes first to find him, and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says to her, Lazarus will rise from the dead. And she says, well, I know that he will rise again in the last days. How many times do you think Martha has told herself this in the last four days? I know he will rise again in the last days. I know he will rise again in the last days. When pastors are called to come to the hospital because someone is dying, the people gathered around are frequently doing the very same thing Martha is doing here. They're not asking for the pastor to get very creative with the theology. No, they want the pastor to remind them of what they believe. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's what they want to hear. I believe in the resurrection of the body in the life everlasting. And when Martha starts to say something similar to this out of her own tradition, Jesus interrupts her to say, I am the resurrection. Do you believe this? We who have been for years and years sitting through sermon after sermon, we who can stand and recite the creed from memory, we who are pursuing academic degrees in theology, we have to also hear Jesus interrupt us sometimes and say, do you believe this? And what matters is not so much what you believe, but in whom that you believe. Because when you're in a crisis, when Lazarus has died, what you believe is not gonna help so much. What you believe may be up for question. No, when you're in trouble, what you need is a who. You need the resurrection and the life. Jesus is not a what. He's a who. He's not a doctrine. He's not just a teacher of doctrine or ethics or spirituality. He is the resurrection and the life. That's who he is. 
So don't be surprised if sometime in the middle of a lecture in Stewart or in the midst of a worship service here or while you are poring over books in your laptop in the library, the Holy Spirit interrupts it all to say, do you believe in him? Do you? When you can't understand what to believe, do you believe in him? Do you believe that this one who would not stay in his own tomb can find his way to yours? Do you believe? And Martha responds, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world. It's all that she knows at that point, and it's all she needs. When Mary gets to Jesus, she does not work out her grief with theology. She works it out through the heart. And so she just falls at Jesus' feet and weeps as if her tears are silently falling laments. The text says that seeing this, Jesus becomes greatly disturbed and deeply moved. And then he begins to weep. I find this to be one of the most hopeful images of Jesus depicted in the Gospels. He does not, he does not maintain objectivity. He's not really concerned about professional composure here. He enters into the pathos of how it is, and he gets overwhelmed and also weeps, greatly disturbed and deeply moved. Can you imagine the power of what it means that the incarnation of God can become greatly disturbed and deeply moved and can enter into our tears? Or as the psalmist says, God keeps count of our tossings and has placed our tears in a bottle. Not a single one of your tears is lost. God sees the tears that are shed late at night. He knows all about the tears of the one who was abused and hurt and still hurts. God sees the tears of the orphan in Africa and the displaced family in Syria. And God is deeply disturbed and greatly moved. So what can that mean, to have God disturbed, deeply moved, as personified in Christ Jesus? Can your theology weep? No. Can your politics weep? Can your hard work and all that you have built weep? No. Only a person can weep. And this person is the resurrection and the life. Who knows what can happen when the Savior is moved? We know our hopes can rise from the dead.
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.